Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Hey everybody, hope you're doing well today. We want to continue our series of podcasts called Change Our Perspective. We're asking the Lord to change our perspective on things that we need to value more. And the one that keeps rising to the top of my list is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that thing, that obvious thing that we all should be thinking about all the time, but for some reason we don't. Um, For Christians, for those who follow Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is where we're going to live for the rest of eternity. I mean, think about that. Sometimes when you go on a vacation or a trip for a few days, you you think about that for several weeks or months beforehand. You get ready for it. You you plan for it. You pack for it. You you start talking about all the kinds of things you're going to do when you're there, and you look at weather reports. And you're going for a few days. It's a few days of your life. And then you come back home and and continue living the rest of your life. But the kingdom of God is somewhere we're going to go, Lord willing, for the rest of eternity. And for some reason, we just don't think about the kingdom of God like we should. We're so wrapped up into earthly things. And you can tell in scripture there's this tension trying to help Christians, people who know the kingdom of God is a reality and, and plan and hope to live there for the rest of eternity, to set their minds and their thoughts on the kingdom of God. And and for some reason, we don't value it and we don't think about it like we should. And that's what I want to talk about today as we call our podcast today, Getting a Grip. Uh, This past Sunday, we called our lesson, Get a Grip. And I just want to continue thinking about how to get a grip on the kingdom of God. And and if you need to listen to that lesson, you can. It's on our website, wyomingvalleychurch.org. It's called Get a Grip. And today we're just going to do, I guess, part two of that, just called Getting a Grip and what it looks like to continue to get a grip on the kingdom of God. And and I'll be honest, I'm like you. I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, and I plan to live in the kingdom of God for the rest of eternity thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. But I don't think about it like I should. Um, I spend more time thinking about things that matter here upon the earth, and I wish that wasn't a reality, but... Um, I do, and I need the Lord to change my perspective, and that's kind of the whole point of today. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this very thing. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Not seek it in the midst of other important things, but seek it, number one, strive after the kingdom of God in everything you do and everything you think. The passage I want to focus upon most today is Colossians chapter 3. We use this as a cross-reference this past Sunday. And Paul is speaking in this chapter to a church, and he said this in verse 1 of Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, and he means risen from the spiritual dead, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, of course, he's speaking about the kingdom of God because that's where Christ is. He's seated on his throne in the kingdom of God right now. And Paul says, set your mind on things that are in the kingdom of God. Verse two, he says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Verse three, be because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. I want to look at five motivations for getting a grip on the kingdom of God. I could get very how-to with getting a grip on the kingdom of God, but we kind of went over that this past Sunday. I just want to use five motivations for getting a grip 
These are five perspectives, if you will, five powerful things that if we stay focused upon these things, the kingdom of God will be a lot easier to think about and to chase and to pursue in our life. And I, I just think these five things are just so big and so broad and so encompassing that if we can tap into these five things today, then the kingdom of God will be on the forefront of our mind. And these are things that I actually use. So if I was a reviewer, if I was writing a review, I would tell you as a firsthand uh, experience, these things work. These things work. When I am struggling with my perspective, when I am too earthly minded, when I am too anxious about what happens in this life, these five things help me get out of that. And they get my eyes back heavenward where they belong. And so I'm going to give you my five things and just briefly talk about them. And that's kind of how we'll do our podcast today. And there's a lot more to be said about these things, of course. But I simply want you to wrap your mind around the kingdom of God today by thinking about the five motivations to do so. Number one at the top of my list is love. Love for the Lord. Now, if you really love the Lord, and I don't mean you, you say you love him, but you really love the Lord then you're going to want to use this life, as Romans 12 says, as a living sacrifice for the Lord. And the word sacrifice means that you're giving up something in order for someone else to have something. That's what sacrifice means. Now, of course, you can love without great sacrifice. You know, you can just be generally kind and nice to people. That doesn't take a lot of sacrifice. But the love that really matters the most, especially to the Lord, is the love that costs you something. And this life that we have, we have a lot of things we could live for. We have a lot of things that we could care about and things we could chase and pursue. But some, Paul speaking here in Colossians, and he was the author of most uh, the epistles in the New Testament, he was one of the classic examples of someone who lived a sacrifice for the Lord. He gave up his life for the sharing of the gospel, for the building up of the church, and for the pleasing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did that because I generally think he loved the Lord. The Lord and Paul were in a loving, committed, covenant relationship. And that love was only getting deeper and broader the more they knew each other. And Paul was driven by that love. I mean, I'm not just talking about he thought about it every now and then. Like, you know, like an anniversary of your wife or spouse comes up and you go, oh yeah, it's time to love them again. Or it's Valentine's Day, I should try to do something nice for them. No, Paul thought about Christ all the time. And that's the greatest commandment Christians have ever been given. There are a lot of commandments, but the one that rises above them all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, if you're thinking about the Lord, generally thinking about him, and if you generally want to love him, it won't take you long to start thinking about the kingdom of God because Christ spent his entire life telling us to live according to the kingdom of God. And if you really love the Lord, or we'll say it this way, if you really love anybody, you spend time thinking about how to please them. I do that with my family. I genuinely love my family. I don't often have to be coerced into loving my family because I genuinely love them. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how to please my wife and please my children and and thinking about their welfare. I, I do. I think about that. I thought about it today. I think about it this morning. I think about it this afternoon. I'll think about it this evening because I generally love them. I can't n neglect my family because I love them. And when you really love someone, you think about them. And you think about what they would 
like and, and what they would enjoy and what kind of things that they would look forward to. And Christ is at the top of that list, or he should be by a mile. He should be so far ahead, or even our spouse and our children, that it's not hard for us to think about Christ. He's right there in our minds, in the forefront of our minds. And and the way to think about the kingdom of God and to get a grip on what matters the most is simply by loving the Lord, genuinely wanting him to be happy with your life. I wish this was more prevalent in the church, or I wish it seemed more prevalent in the church, versus, you know, like I said in a previous podcast, pastors having to get up and tell their church people to care more about the things of Christ. I wish it was just so more prevalent where thing, people were just driven, absolutely driven to love the Lord. Sure, we might disagree and there might be obstacles to doing that, but if everyone was driven to love the Lord, the church would be healthy a lot more healthy than it is right now because we would all be trying to work at that. We'd all want the same thing. We'd all be unifying for that goal. But oftentimes the Lord is is somewhere in the mix. It's something we think about every now and then or on Sundays or whenever we gather with our church or whenever it's Easter or Christmas or it's time to worship him. But he's not at the forefront of our mind. If we really wanted to get in the grip on the kingdom of God, we need to fall in love with Jesus. We need to fall in love with him. We need to go head over heels for Jesus. I'm going to be honest. I don't know that many in my life that I would swear that they were in love with Jesus. They were head over heels for Jesus. They thought about him. They prayed to him. They sang to him so heartfelt. They just thought about him all the time and they wanted to please him so much with their lives. But I wish I knew more than that. And I want to be that kind of person. And I want you to be that kind of person. And I cannot Make that happen in your soul. The only one who can make that happen in your soul is Christ himself by getting near him. By thinking about him and by thinking about what he's done for you. By thinking about what he offers you. By thinking about what he saved you from. By thinking about his value and his beauty. And those are exercises that I find myself doing to keep that love crisp. Because sometimes love grows stale, even in a long-term marriage relationship. Love can grow stale and you have to do things to keep that love crisp. And that's something I have to do with my Lord. I have to think about him. I have to think about how beautiful he is and how valuable he is to my soul. I have to think about what he's done for me. I have to think about what he deserves. I have to think about how glorious he is. I have to think about what it's going to be like to live with him for the rest of eternity. The number one way to get a grip on the kingdom of God is to really, genuinely, passionately love the Lord. And that's not going to happen by snapping your fingers. That's going to happen by spending time with him. Uh, my wife and I, often, t- oftentimes when we have an opportunity, we will spend special time together. We'll ask my mom and dad to watch our children and we'll go out somewhere and just talk and just sit with coffee and just be near each other because it, it's often all it takes to get back that crisp love that we need for each other by simply being around each other and remembering why we love each other the way that we do, what's so special about each other, why we enjoy each other's company. And in the mix of life, that, that sometimes that's hard to do. So we need to set, set segment time, special time, to focus upon those who we love. And at the top of that list should be the Lord. That's why I believe special quiet time or whatever you would call it with the Lord is so, so important to focus upon him and to remember him. So that's number one. Number two is quite the antithesis of love, but it's just as powerful. It's fear. Fearing the Lord. 
Now, even in this passage in Colossians chapter 3, right after verse 4, when he says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And we'll get to that motivation here in a little bit, but you can tell Paul wants us to be motivated by the great things about Christ in the kingdom of God. But as soon as he mentions that, he transitions to verse 5, and he says this, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And he means what is sinful in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then he says this in verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul uses fear, even in a passage where he's trying to motivate people to set their mind on the kingdom of God and to think about all the great things about Christ and the kingdom of God. He uses fear to remind them that there is no option besides the kingdom of God than eternal condemnation. There is no other option. It's not like, well, if I don't get to the kingdom of God, I'll still be in a pretty good place. I'll still be near very good things and very good people. It may not be the best. It may not be completely ideal, but I'll still have a pretty good eternity. And he says, no, you need to remember that if you don't have a grip on the kingdom of God, then you have a grip on sin. And those are the only two options. If you aren't focused upon the kingdom of God, then you are focused upon sin. And if you're focused upon sin, you are playing with fire. And that fire can damn you if you're not careful. So Paul brings this up in the middle of this passage to go, you have to put those sins to death. And fear is one of those motivators that seems icky to us. Like, oh man, there should be no, no motivator of fear in the Christian life. It should just be love and, and things like that. And, but you find it all the way laced through scripture. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. James talks about it. John talks about it. Matthew talks about it. You know, and it's all over scripture that fear is still a really good, powerful motivator. Now, like anything, there can be a wrong kind of fear. But the right kind of fear is staying away from the things that hurt the Lord because those things are eternally damaging to my soul. That if I play around with sin, it is. It's like playing around with a live hand grenade. It can go off and I can be severely harmed if not killed. Paul says, if you need to get a grip on the kingdom of God, use fear to do so. Because God does not look at sin. God will not wink at sin. If you are not focused on the kingdom of God, and you're playing around with earthly things, you're in danger. It doesn't matter what you claim about yourself. If you're playing around with sin, you're in danger. Sin is always, always dangerous. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've been with the Lord, playing around with sin can damn you. And Paul says that. He says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Why would he bring up the wrath of God speaking to a church unless sin is dangerous? So Paul says, listen, you can't play with sin. If you don't have a grip on the kingdom of God and you're playing around with sin, you should have the fear to wake up from that and to say, I can't do this. I can't live in these things anymore. These things are against my God. These things are things Jesus died for. I can't play around with sin. And fear is a good motivator. And I think about all the, all the time things in my life that, that fear help me live correctly. When I drive on the road, I don't text and play on my phone when I drive because I'm fearful that by doing so, I might cause an accident and get hurt. And all kinds of things with raising children. 
There's an aspect of fear that helps me raise children properly and, you know, put them in their seatbelts and, and take them to the doctor and make sure they're growing and, and, and being healthy people because I don't want anything bad to happen them. I'm driven by fear that something bad would happen. And that's a good kind of fear. And that's a fear that we need in the Christian life. And that's number two. If you need to get a grip on the kingdom of God, remember that the only other option to getting a grip on the kingdom of God is worldliness and sin, things that God detests. And he won't stand for it on the last day. He won't stand for it at Judgment Day. And oftentimes when I am lukewarm or apathetic or compromising in the Christian life, I'll simply remember God's stance on sin. And it often is enough to wake me up and go, okay, I'm refocused. Splash that water on my face and get me focused on the kingdom of God once again. And that's a good motivator. It's a motivator Paul used. It's a motivator Jesus himself used. It's a good motivator. So love, number two is fear. Number three is duty and responsibility. I was talking with someone the other day and we were talking about how that because of the pandemic and, and everything that's transpired, people aren't working. At least men aren't working like they used to. Like there's a lot of jobs that are available out there because a lot of people aren't working and, you know, we've gotten stimulus checks and I'm not going to make it a polit- political statement here, but but it's it's sort of allowed people to not work and find loopholes into providing for their family without working. And I asked this question the other day, at least for men, people like myself. And I said, don't, aren't you driven by duty and responsibility to work? Like, I don't think I could sit on my hands and not work for a long period of time simply because of duty and responsibility. I, I just, I feel like it's ingrained in me to work. <laughs> and I feel like that that is for every single man who takes care of their family is, is ingrained in them to work regardless of how well I am financially or if my all, all my bills are paid, I, I'm driven to work. There's, I think that God has created us to do that. Even in the Garden of Eden, before there was sin, Adam and Eve worked because work was a good thing. God created us to work. Well, in the Christian life, we can be driven to set our mind on the kingdom of God simply by duty and responsibility to do so. Paul brings that up again in Colossians 3. He says, set your mind on things that are above, not on the earth. Number three, verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life now is about living for the kingdom of God. That's what your life is about. You've been hired as a kingdom of God worker. Now you have a job. You have a job to do. You have hours. You have a schedule. God has hired you in his vineyard, according to the parable that Jesus speaks about, about hiring people into his vineyard. He's hired us to be kingdom of God workers, and we should have a duty and responsibility to work for the kingdom of God. I do. I'm going to be honest. I am often driven by the duty and responsibility to wake up and be a good pastor, wake up and be a good father, wake up and be a good husband. And it oftentimes, it doesn't have an inten- intense motor behind it. You know, again, sometimes I need to tap into love and fear. And sometimes I'm just it's just enough to be driven by duty and responsibility to wake up and and, and do the things I'm called to do because that's what I'm called to do. And I've committed to those things and, and that's my job and that's my role. And oftentimes it's it's enough. I think sometimes when we need to get a grip on the kingdom of God, we need to remember what we've been hired to do. We've been hired to be the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ here upon the earth. And that's a job we should take very seriously. It's not a job we deserve to have, but it's something that the Lord has given to us, every Christian, to say, you are now my ambassadors You are now my people. You are now my servants. Serve faithfully the kingdom of God. That's why you've been given this grace. That's why you've been given this salvation. And be driven 
to get a grip on the kingdom of God simply because you're supposed to. That's your purpose. That's your calling. That's how you become fulfilled in this life. When you're not serving the kingdom of God, everything's upside down. Everything's backwards. And you should feel quite awkward in not serving the kingdom of God. If you can go a long stretch of time without thinking about the kingdom of God, then I think that there's something really wrong. Because it's been ingrained in us by the Holy Spirit to serve Christ. To serve the Lord. He is the King of Kings. That's why it's not just buddy Jesus. You know, friend Jesus. No, he's God. He's the Lord. He's the King. And I'm the servant. And my role is to serve the King. It's a privilege, which we're going to get to here in a minute. But it's also my duty and my responsibility. So we've looked at love. We've looked at fear. We've looked at duty and responsibility. Number four, I just mentioned it, is privilege. Privilege, Paul says in verse 4 in Colossians, he says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about appearing with the Lord in glory? I want you to picture on the last day that the Lord Jesus, you know, after he comes back to earth to gather his people, he comes back once again to the kingdom, this time for good. He'll never leave again. And he arrives back at the kingdom of heaven and the gates fling open for the king of glory. And all the heavenly beings and creatures up there are anticipating the king's return, going, man, it's been a while since Jesus has been here. I cannot wait to see him again. And standing right next to him is you and me. That's what it says. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When those gates open up, and if I followed him, and if I love the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to appear with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. When he comes in glory, when he stands in glory, I will be next to him. I will be with him. I will be a part of him. And I will experience what that's like for all of heaven to bow to the king, to give homage to the king, to give glory to the king. And, and he will want to share that experience with me. Guys, that is a privilege. It's a privilege. And we tapped into this recently in, in our recent lessons, but how much of a privilege it is to follow the Lord. He's the king of glory. He's the son of God. He is the savior of the world. And one day I get to appear with him as a part of his bride that he's going to enter into an eternal union with to love and to cherish for the rest of time. And he wants me there, and that is going to be a privilege. So why is it not a privilege right now for me to serve the kingdom of God? Why does it sometimes feel like a chore for me to follow Jesus Christ when I consider where I was, a Gentile, a sinner, a rebel, a wretch, on a fast track to damnation, and then all of a sudden, my lot has changed from truly despair to appearing with the Lord in glory one day. Guys, I, I hope that's a privilege for you. I hope it, it's not hard for you to think that serving the Lord and, and serving the kingdom of God is a privilege. Because I once belonged to the kingdom of darkness and so did, so did you. I once belonged to sin and so did you. And now I get to be with the Lord forever. And it's a privilege. And I hope if we tap into the privilege of being a part of this kingdom, we will start getting a better grip on the kingdom of God. We have one more, and it's number five is being prepared for Jesus to return. Now, we talked about Jesus appearing back in heaven, but one day Jesus is going to appear on the earth. 
at the end of uh, Colossians 3, this passage, he says in verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Christ is going to appear one day, not just in the kingdom of heaven, but he's going to appear on earth. And when he appears on earth, he's going to come to get his people. That's why he's here. He's coming to tread on evil and he's coming to gather his people and bring them with him for the rest of eternity. One of the best motivators to get a grip of the kingdom of God is to remember that the day is coming fast, that Jesus is on his way back, that one day the skies are going to rip open, the king is going to descend, and he is going to come to gather me to himself for the rest of eternity in the kingdom of God. And I have been taught and trained by my Lord and by Paul and by many others to prepare for that day. Because that day is coming and it's coming very soon. In fact, Jesus said it's going to come sooner than you think. It's going to feel like I come like a thief in the night. It's going to come very soon. A lot of people will be unaware and unprepared. But you don't have to be and you shouldn't be because you're mine. And I told you at the beginning of this lesson, there's many people who only for a few days vacation will plan and prep for weeks in order to do that. We're going away for the rest of eternity with our Lord in the kingdom of glory. And Jesus has said to us, I'm coming again soon. Blessed are those who prepare themselves. One of the best ways to keep a grip on the kingdom of God is, is thinking about the day. And it could be any day, literally any day, when our Lord returns to this earth to gather us. Don't you want him to see you prepared and ready and thinking about the kingdom of God and serving the king and casting off sin and doing exactly what he's taught you to do. Don't you want him to find you thinking and getting your grip on the kingdom of God? I do. And I'm often driven by that one motivator that time is brief and I don't have long left. If I had huge chunks of time, then maybe I could get complacent, but I don't. Jesus said he can return any day. It might be today. I don't have long to prepare. Therefore, I have to prepare today. I can't put it off till tomorrow because tomorrow might not come. We've talked about love. We've talked about fear. We've talked about duty and responsibility. We've talked about privilege and we've talked about being prepared for Jesus to return. There's other motivators in the Christian life, but these are the five big ones. That if we'll think about these things, we will get a grip on serving the kingdom of God. I hope you already do have a grip and I hope these are just used to cement that perspective in your mind, but perhaps you've been in a season where you've gotten distracted from other things, earthly things, things that seem good in the context of earth, but when you line them up to the kingdom of God, they just don't measure up. I pray that these things would be used as a perspective change in your life to get a grip on the kingdom of God because Jesus is worth it. We love him. We fear him. It's our duty. It's our privilege, and we should be, be, be preparing to meet Jesus Christ one day soon. I hope this blesses your soul. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.